Please be seated. To those of you listening to us on the internet and to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, and to our members and guests here at Beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message on this third Sunday of Easter is the gospel for this Sunday from Luke 24. You heard it read before. I recall just these words. While they were talking about what had happened, Jesus stood among them. He said to them, Peace be with you. They were terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. In the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, my beloved. I think I told this story once before from this pulpit, uh, but it's the story, true story, about a fellow pastor friend of mine who, when uh, one of his daughters was uh, very young, <clears throat> was saying her nighttime prayers with her mother. And um, she told her mother, uh, Mommy, I'm afraid of the dark here in the bedroom. And her mother says, well, you know, you don't have to be afraid because Jesus is always with you. And she said, well, you stay here with Jesus. I'm going to get Daddy. <laughs> the physical presence of those that we depend on for safety and security is important. A personal presence is important. I know sometimes... Uh, when I'm in my study in the morning and uh, I see one of the Milwaukee de uh, Police Department squads pull up uh, in front of the tennis courts across the street or sometimes in front of church, I feel safe with that personal presence there. How wonderful it is for at least a few families yet where mom doesn't have to work for the children to come home from school and say, Mom, I'm home, and to have that smiling face waiting for them. A personal presence means a lot. I know many years ago when my wife was uh, delivering our children and uh, my personal presence there in the labor and uh, delivery room were welcomed by her, not always by the doctors. On the first e Easter evening, Ten disciples were meeting behind locked doors, and it was not a bunch of happy campers. Now, we alluded to this last week in John chapter 20. There was not a feeling of safety and security. They were in a room behind locked doors, and Jesus wasn't with them because his personal presence had been taken from them by the crucifixion, and they were afraid. This morning we want to see that uh, for those disciples, their fear and their sorrow and their terror was changed into peace by the personal presence of their risen Lord. And we pray this morning that the personal presence of our risen Lord might bring us peace also. St. Luke tells us that... Uh, the disciples, ten disciples, were behind locked doors, and they were afraid. Let's take a, look, a little bit of a look at their different fears. Because they were afraid, and they were shocked, and they were filled with terror, 
and they were confused. St. Luke tells us that the disciples were afraid. Jesus had died, killed by the Jews and Roman soldiers. The disciples were his followers. Would they be next? Would they be hearing the tramp of uh, Roman soldiers' boots coming up to the door, perhaps pounding on the door, perhaps breaking it in? Fear and anxiety. The miracle worker was no longer there to help them. Next was their shock. You know what shock is, don't you? My wife expresses it every so often when she goes, <gasps> I said, what's wrong? Did you ever sneak up on somebody unintentionally or intentionally? Or have someone do that to you and then you turned around? <gasps> you were shocked. The disciples were sitting there all alone. And all of a sudden, Jesus is there. In his glorified, risen body. No longer subject to the, the laws of nature. Could be anywhere he wanted, indoors, out, anywhere, anytime. His immediate, sudden presence shocked them. And then there was the terror. Have you ever been terrorized? I'll tell you, it's no fun. One late Sunday evening, a buddy of mine and I were coming back. I was about 13 years old from a youth group, and we were attacked by a gang and beat up. And it's no fun because while it's happening, you don't know if you're going to live or if you're going to die. A fellow pastor friend uh, told me about one time when his wife and he were in the kitchen eating supper and a burglar broke in and held a screwdriver to his throat. He didn't know if he was going to live or die. He was terrorized. The people in our armed forces stationed around the world tell us that where their job is 99% boredom and 1% terror. When the thunder of bombs are dropping around, around you, you don't know if you're going to live or you're going to die, and that's terror. All of a sudden, Jesus was there. And their hearts were filled with terror because dead men don't come back to life. The disciples were probably ready to, to bolt for the door, running away from whatever that apparition would do to them. But then the words of the risen Lord, peace be with you. Settle down now. Settle down. Everything's all right. Everything's all right right now. And everything is going to continue to be all right in the future. I'm here. Look at my hands and my feet. It's really me. They started to settle down. They were filled with joy and amazement, thinking that this was too good to be true. But they were still confused because some of the disciples had already seen Jesus earlier in the day and some hadn't. And some of the disciples were confused, wondering, was it just an apparition? And the other ones were thinking, well, is it all a rumor? And they were confused. And what did Jesus do? What he always did. He turned their attention back to God's word. And he reminded them, he says, remember all the writings of Moses' teachings about me and the prophets and the Psalms? They had to come true. This is what I told you, that the Christ would suffer and die, and on the third day he would come back to life. He opened their minds to understand the Scripture. Because, you see, Jesus recognized besides 
all of that emotional anxiety and those wrenched guts. He also wanted them to understand the peace of God, which passes all understanding, that God is no longer angry with mankind because he has taken away our sins. And I tell you, down through the history, you take a look at all the man-made religions, and they're all based on some kind of fear or anxiety of some big God up there. Some religions teach bodily mutilation. Some religions teach human sacrifice because you've got to get rid of God's anger. He wants to punish you. Jesus said, peace be with you. God's anger is taken away. Why? Because of Jesus' personal presence on the cross with his blood dripping down. He had to die as punishment for your sins and mine so God's hatred for sin could be appeased. No longer is God's hatred there for mankind. With the barrier of sin removed, there is peace between God and man, and whoever believes that has everlasting life. But the Christ who had to suffer and die also came back to life. And the risen Lord brought peace to his disciples by his personal presence. But that was then. And this is now. And what about you and me? Well, the risen Lord wants to provide us peace with his personal presence too. Now we know it's very true that our Lord miraculously and visibly and powerfully removed his visible presence from us when he ascended into heaven. St. Paul says he is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. You see, Jesus, before his ascension, he could only be or limited himself to be at one place at one time. Now Jesus fills the whole universe. He's everywhere all at the same time. Jesus promised as he ascended, Lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Scripture tells us that Jesus right now is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Second person of the Trinity is everywhere. Psalm 139 says, Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my depths, my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. There is no place that you can go but that Jesus is there. Go into your bedroom. Jesus is there. Go into the kitchen. Jesus is there. Go into the classroom. Jesus is there. Go to Potawatomi or Ho-Chunk, and Jesus is there. Go to the corner bar, and Jesus is there. At your workstation, Jesus is there. Working on the computer, Jesus is there. In the hospital room, Jesus is there. And at your deathbed, Jesus will be there. Jesus is with you always. Jesus is with you there when you don't necessarily want him to be. Jesus is there when you don't necessarily know that he is. Jesus is there when you want him, and Jesus is there when you need him. The disciples were afraid. Is there anything that you're afraid of right now? 
I still remember the two years when I was out of the pastoral ministry. I had to go out and get a job in the secular world, and I had a boss that I was absolutely afraid of. I hated to go to work in the morning. My stomach churned. I was afraid of him. What are you afraid of right now? Are you afraid of failing? Afraid of the loss of a job? About finding another job? Are you afraid of what's happening to our nation right now? Are you afraid of death? This past week in World Magazine, I found this article that sort of, uh, I think, makes all of our fears pale into comparison with what our fellow Christians are suffering in the Middle East. The article talks about uh, uh, people that had to flee from their homes because of ISIS, living in tents in uh, two-bedroom apartments with 12 and 13 and 14 people. It says that's all they can afford to live, escape from ISIS with nothing. Everyone is starting over. This pastor's church is only two years old, and now about 70% of his congregation are displaced survivors of the ISIS onslaught. They live everywhere from tents to shopping centers to apartments, some scattered on the outskirts of the city like this. His church gets funds from a church in Indiana to help cover six months' rents for 41 units. The Bible study that they're involved in covers the basic teaching and the group is earnest, unrushed, and everyone contributes. It's remarkable considering that some of the families have evangelical backgrounds while others are from Chaldean or Orthodox churches. Some are from the city of Mosul and others from small villages. Some know their Bibles and some are just learning. What they have in common is a terrifying night flight from militant jihadists with guns, leaving all that they knew and owned behind. And moving for days uncertain, sometimes circling back, not sure where to go. The pastor ends uh, his devotion with Hebrews 2 and a reminder to run the race with endurance. He asked for prayer requests. A woman asked for courage to pray aloud. A man asked for a prayer for a Muslim girl down the hall who is sick. The pastor asks them if they are learning in the midst of their suffering, and everyone nods yes. This thing has made me know God more. I am praying three hours a day, says one. I have time to read my Bible I never had before. It is new to me, says another. I am learning that the church is not just a building. You can bomb the walls but not really destroy the church. It's discouraging for a journalist like me who's covered Iraq up close over a decade of war to see wave after wave of hardship for Iraq's Christians, each one harder than the last. That's because I look to the headlines men are writing and forget the story God is writing. The Passover began also with a night of watching to bring God's people out of Egypt, out of their bondage, all moving toward another night of watching in the Garden of Gethsemane. And always God's people were scared, weak, and falling away. And always God worked anyway, patiently laying a better, lasting plan of escape. I need thy presence every passing hour. What but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Who like thyself, my guide and stay, can be? Through cloud and sunshine, Jesus, abide with me. 
Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. Jesus is always here. He's here again with us this morning, in, with, and under the bread and wine, saying, Peace be with you. Your sins personally are forgiven. And finally, on the pages of God's holy word, he says, I am here. On the pages of his holy word, he eliminates our confusion because Peter and John and Paul and all the rest say, We saw it. We are eyewitnesses. Empirical evidence, your Savior is alive. We doubted, but he took away our doubts with his presence. He was dead, and he is alive, and he will come again. Oh, Jesus is present. He wants no more fear, no more shock, no more terror, no more confusion, no more doubt. But even when we do, he still allows us to pray, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Lord, increase our faith so that each day we may say with more sure confidence, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.